Today, we wrap up our series called Church in the Wild. We've been talking about how, man, we're living in wild times. Like, it seems like every time you turn on the TV or maybe hear something on the radio, whatever it is, you're just hearing of wild things that are happening. But we're grateful that in this season, God has called us for such a time as this. We're grateful because we don't have to live in defeat. As a matter of fact, we have the victorious one on the inside of us. So as wild as things get, we can still overcome. And so we've been talking about some ways that God uses us in these wild seasons and the ways that God moves in wild season. And so we wrap it up today. Title of my message this morning is called Wild Witness. Uh, You could even say wild evangelism. Um, I would say this, that uh, we even have the wild good news. We, we, we have the good news, the wild good news, and so I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we do, let's pray, and we'll jump right into it. God, we love you so much. So grateful for the way that you've shown yourself to us already this morning. God, we feel ministered to by you, by um, not a person, not, not, not even a, a musician or a band, but God, we experienced you this morning, and God, we're grateful for the way that you love us that way. And God, we ask that through your word, again, you minister to us by your truth, not by a person or or by thought or a collection of words, but God, by you. We ask for that as we hear your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So evangelism, these are church words, but they're words that probably most of us know. But to to be a witness is a call. It's our assignment to be able to go and share what God has done in our life and share the gospel and be able to witness and evangelize to other people who may be far from God or don't know that they need him. Or maybe they're just lost in their way and they're trying to make it through this crazy wild world that we live in. Uh, But God has called us. Uh, his answer, his solution, one of his purposes for us is for us to be able to people that can step in as the light with the good news and say, hey, guess what? You don't have to keep living this way. God's got something for you. Help me know what I'm talking about. So whether you call it witnessing or evangelizing or just simply sharing the good news, that's what I want to talk about today, especially as we head into Easter. You know, how I many know Easter's coming up next week and Easter is one of those seasons where some people may say they believe in God, but they don't know God. Yeah. And so Easter just becomes that season where they say, hey, you know, we should maybe check out a church or, uh, you know, we've heard a couple of things about that church. Maybe we should go. And so their, their willingness to receive from God or at least from church is higher at this season as it's Holy Week. And so it's important for us to say, hey, let's, let's be what God called us to be. Let's yeah. go be fishers of men. Let's go out and say, hey, man, there's people dying and hurting in this world. Let's go bring them to the light. Let's bring them into the good news of the gospel. Are you with me today? And people say to me, that's like, oh, pastor, that's so hard to do. Like, how do you do that? How do you witness, right? Because you've never been in the grocery store line and somebody's grabbing themselves a Snickers and then they turn around and say to you, hey, by any chance, um, could you share with me the gospel before I check out? It's never happened to me. I doubt it's ever happened to you. It's, and so you say, Pastor, like, how, how do I do this? How do I find the opportunity? I would love to invite someone to Easter next week. I would love to be able to share the gospel and be the light with somebody. How do you do that? And I always give this answer, and I think of it this way. If you've ever sought out to buy a car, maybe you're researching cars and you kind of got your mind set on one. You say, okay, I'm going to get an F-150 because that's the car I have. It's a good car. You should get an F-150. But if you say, all right, I'm going to go get an F-150. I want to get one of those. This has probably happened to all of us out there. Once you kind of set your mind on what you've either already bought or about to buy, all of a sudden, because your eyes been set on that, like, oh yeah, I think I want an F-150. All of a sudden, this strange thing happens on the road. Because your eye has been set on 150, guess what you begin to notice all over the road? F-150s, Toyota Highlanders, whatever you're looking for, you begin to see. Why? Because your mind, your eye has been set on that very thing. It's the same thing when it comes to preaching or evangelizing or reaching somebody. If you can get up in the day and say, hey, you know what? It's Easter. 
And I know God's going to move at my church. And I know that we added another service because we want to be able to reach and catch people. And so I'm going to wake up every day with an eye set on God. Will you use me today to reach somebody and witness? Give me the opportunity to invite somebody. I promise you God's going to show you somebody that you can invite. Because God just moves that way. He uses us. It's crazy to think this. But listen, part of God's restorative and redemptive plan to reach mankind is to use you to do it. He came and he set his son and he died on the cross and he overcame death, hell, and the grave. But then his scripture says before he ascended into heaven, he said, hey, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And then you're going to go what? Reach the world. God's plan for redemption is to use his people. We get to be an amazing part of that. Isn't that exciting? The scripture says this in Proverbs 11. It says, he that winneth souls is wise. He or she, that is a person that says, hey, I'm set out to win souls. I know that all of this is about souls. If we don't have a desire to reach souls, then what are we doing here? And so the scripture says, he that winneth souls is wise, which means this. If we're someone without a desire, it's foolish to be somebody who doesn't set out to win souls. If you're wise to reach souls, then it's foolishness for us to not have a desire to see people reached. Scripture talks about in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came on mission to do this one thing, to seek and to save the lost. Those who were lost. He said, I'm coming to seek and save. Well, you know what else the Bible says? The Bible says that we're called to be imitators of God. So you know what that means? It means that your mission is to do the same thing, which is your mission on a daily basis is to be a person who gets up and says, today I'm going to seek and save the lost. How can I find somebody who's hurting and struggling and down in the pit and in the valley and I can share the good news of the gospel and pull them up from their pit? Are you with me today? We're called to be imitators of God. I love what Pastor David McGee says. He said, we should be more concerned with reaching the lost than pampering the saved. Churches all over the place are building programs to pamper the saved. Come into this study and you can get your little Christian pedicure and go back out here feeling good about yourself. Am I telling the truth? Well, we can come up over to this group and this study and we'll create that class and we'll do this kind of thing so everybody can come in and get pampered and all this kind of stuff when the mission is about seeking and saving the lost. Yeah, we got to never be a church that forgets it's not about us and our blessing. and our, It's about seeking and saving that which is lost. Amen. I love what Pastor Dave Harvey says uh, in, in uh, his context of the scripture. He says that everything in scripture is either preparation for the gospel gospel, Jesus saves, presentation of the gospel, Jesus saves, or in participation in the gospel, Jesus saving. Everything we know, everything God's been given us is all layered into the idea of the gospel that Jesus came, took on flesh and blood so that we may be saved. Can I get an amen? Not so that we can have nice church services and sing sing some songs that make us feel good. And and that's all part of our worship. That is all a part of our adoration and the gospel message. But what it's about is, again, seeking and saving the lost. If we don't have a desire to do that, what are we doing? The sad part is about America is we're evangelizing or we're witnessing or we're sharing the good news at the lowest rate we ever have in America's history. 
America was founded on the gospel. It was founded on Christian principle and it's been in the fiber and the fabric of everything in America. Unfortunately, over time, we now find ourselves in the category of America is the third largest mission field in all the world. Matter of fact, back in the day when we founded this country and we built this on Christian values, we used to be the nation that would send missionaries to all the world. We would, we would equip and develop and send. Now we found ourselves in a condition where it's like we need to ask for them back. And the third, we've, we've stopped evangelizing. We stopped witnessing. Our pulpits have been self-help categories where we just teach people how to, these five steps and that next thing to live the blessed life. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, it's about the loss. It's about seeking and saving the hurting. Amen. If you asked all non-believers in the entire world, if we asked all the non-believers to link hands, to join hands, they say that statistically that line of people with joined hands could span around the globe. They say that statistically that line grows 20 miles a day because we have such a poor evangelism rate in America, but in the world. If all births and deaths stopped currently. So no one's being born and nobody's dying. We're just going to go after what's currently here. At our current evangelism rate in America, it would take us 100 years to reach the population. They say this, Ed Stetzer Research says that people think, well, in Zealand, we got churches on every corner. We didn't need more churches. We're a Christian nation. People know the gospel. We have Christian television. There's no way. Statistically, they say if every church in America next Sunday no matter how many services they have now, if every single one of them in storefronts, movie theaters, wherever they meet, if every single one of them decided to hold three weekend services, so adding more service, if every church in America held three weekend services, we would still turn away half of the American population. Why? Because we don't have a big enough net. The body of Christ is not big enough. We're not evangelizing enough. We actually need more churches. We need more house churches. We need, are you with me today? And so the harvest is so plentiful. It is so huge, but we've forgotten as a church what it's about, and what it's about is reaching the lost. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me shrink it down to our area. Our area, if you were to sort of take our metro, if you will, Grand Rapids, a 30-mile radius of Grand Rapids, they say that's a population of about a million. So in a 30-mile radius, we got about a population of a million. There's two categories when they take a look at church population. According to Barner Research, you have the unchurched. So somebody who's never been a part of church, wasn't raised in church, has no idea of the ways of church. That's one category. And then you have the de-churched. They were once a part of church. Maybe they got hurt. Something happened. But they've de-churched. They've fallen away. Statistically, of that one million person population in our 30-mile radius, 52% of our population falls into the either unchurched or de-churched category. What I'm trying to tell you is there's a great harvest here in our community. We say, oh, a church on every corner. We call Grand Rapids Jerusalem, like Jerusalem. There's so many Christians. But we've grown so much as a community that there's actually great need. But we need some laborers. Can I get an amen? We need people that can go out there and reach and, and, and cast the harvest or cast the, the nets into the harvest. I thought about this. Scripture talks about how life is just a vapor. You've heard me give this example before where you have the boiling water. It's this boiling pot and you take the lid off it. And that steam goes up for just a minute and then it's gone. It's just a vapor. It's here for just a minute and it's just a vapor. Scripture talks about how pro- tomorrow is promised to no man. What if all the churches in America just said, well, you know, inflation right now. And so we got to just, we got to kind of be focused on ourselves and steadying our own ship. Or what if we said, well, you know, we're a young church, we're a church plant. We got to kind of keep developing and focusing right now. It's not time for evangelism. It's not time for that kind of stuff. We would miss the vapors in our community. These moments that tomorrow is promised to no man. I thought about it like this many times. 
when we become eternally minded, when we begin to think of the things that really matter, it's too late. Most people become eternally minded, or many people, I should say, become eternally minded on their deathbed. Sitting on their deathbed and they're looking back at their life and they think, oh man, you know what I wish I would have done? I wish I would have poured my life out more for the kingdom and for the gospel and for the cause of Christ. I wish I wouldn't have worried so much about living in that neighborhood or getting that house or acquiring that thing or being that popular. I wish I would have spent more time on the things that mattered, which are eternal. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Could even boil it down to this. Like, it's, it's great that you can teach your son how to throw a curveball. That's a pretty cool thing. But how much more is it more so important to teach our kids about spiritual warfare? Amen. So we don't want to look back and go, oh, I missed the things that matter in eternity. Yeah, it's cool that we can teach our kids how to use this bait to go do this, to catch this kind of fish. But how much more so do we need to be eternally minded and making sure our kids know about prayer lives? We got to be eternally minded. We got to teach them about souls and things that matter. Are you with me today? And just a note on worship. Last night, uh, we had the TV on and uh, it was WrestleMania sold out in Hollywood, California, 75,000 people gathered to watch WrestleMania. Now, 75,000 people, you're up in the top of the thing. I mean, John Cena looks about that big. So down in the ring doing his thing. And I'm sitting here watching this. And people come to church and they're like, you guys are weird. You guys are weird. Clapping? What are you getting excited about in worship? Cody's up here talking about how we can use our words and we can declare. And people are looking, boy, that church is getting weird. They're clapping. I think that sweaty guy was whistling, you know, like, I don't, I love you, John. There's my guy. What's a bunch of freaks? What a bunch of weirdos up there. And then I'm over here, like, people are watching John Cena wrestle his 77th WrestleMania, and everyone's like, ah. And, and you might say, wow, wrestling people are weird. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> but earlier in the day, you know what else I watched? It was like, you just sat around and watched TV all day? No, I didn't. The Michigan Wolverine spring game was on TV and it was 40 some degrees and rainy and drizzle and everybody put on their big coats and they got their Michigan gear. They prepared themselves to be able to go in there and watch practice and they cheered and they screamed and they whistled. They didn't sweat because it was cold, but they did all those other things. And and we teach our kids all those things are are normal and appropriate. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we come in here and and we want to raise a hand and we want to shout. And people are like, what a bunch of weirdos. Can I tell you something? John Cena's going to pass away one day. There's no eternity. There's, there's, There's nothing John Cena. He can entertain you now. But can I tell you something about the King of the Kings and Lord of Lords? He's got some power when it comes to eternity. And he's got some power that can happen in this room. John Cena's a good guy, and I appreciate the things that he does for this world or whatever. But I'm telling you, he can't change an atmosphere like he can when we worship in here, our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. So don't let people say, oh, you go to one of those churches, one of those weird people that believe that God is moving in power. Yeah, we do believe God is moving in power. Those wrestling people, they prepared their shirts. They prepared their signs. They prepared their things. They've been playing. All. One guy held up a sign that said, I drove 3,000 miles to be here. And John Cena looks this big on the thing to him. Okay? How much more so should we be preparing our hearts and preparing our words as we come in here to get ready to worship the King of the Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you with me today? Eternal things that matter. We got to start focusing on. How many know at the end of the game, every play matters? You've heard me give this example before. When there's two minutes left in the game, it's not time to start trying a couple plays that may work. When it gets into crunch time in the game, the coach gets in and they're like, look, 
We are in the final two minutes. Everything matters. The game goes fast. Can I tell you something in our world? We're in the last two minutes. And we got to focus and we got to hone in on the eternal things that matter. Can I get amen today? So reaching people is one of them. Internally minded. It's so weird how much energy and emphasis and, and, and time we spend on things here. Uh, can I tell you something as your pastor? Uh, I do believe in aliens. I believe in aliens because I am one. If you're a Christ follower, you're one too. First Peter's telling us how, hey, guess what? We're, we're just passerbys in this life. This life, this whole thing right here, this whole life, this earth and all this kind of stuff, th- this is just something you're passing through. You're just a foreigner of this. Where you need to spend your energy and your emphasis is on the eternal things that matter. Are you with me today? And reaching people is one of those things. People think that we're physical. I'm way off my notes now, but that's okay. People think that we're physical beings. Hear this. So change the way you worship. This will change the way you pray. People think that we're physical beings having spiritual encounters. Like, oh, God, we're physical beings having spiritual encounters. You're a spiritual being having physical encounters. You got to rethink the way you go throughout your day. You know, if you went up to Jesus when he was here and he was like, hey, man, hey, how's your spiritual life? He'd be like, spiritual life. Everything is spiritual. Every habit has a harvest. I hope our habits are those that are in the kingdom and found in the things of God. Are you with me today? All right, let's finish back up. All right, so eternal things matter. Proverbs 24, 11 says this, rescue those being led away to death. We're talking about wild good news, wild evangelism. It says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward the slaughter. If you say, but, and this is piercing, this part right here is piercing. But if you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? This is what this passage means. It's saying, be on rescue mission. Every single day you get up, you need to be like, oh, who's staggering toward the slaughter? Who's being led away to death? Who's in such darkness in this world? And it's saying, you need to rescue those people. One translation, as I just read it to you, it says, it says, it's those staggering toward slaughter. It says, you got to hold them back. You got to be a people get up every day and say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't get into that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm talking about? But then it says this, this is piercing. It says this. But maybe you're a person who's just trying to pretend like you didn't know your neighbor was struggling. Didn't know your neighbor was far to God. And you say to God, I didn't know they were hurting. And God says, I know your heart. I know what you know. So you may be able to convince me. But God is saying, I, I can see all. Are you saying what I'm saying today? Yeah. So, so you can trick some people and say, well, I didn't know that they were going through something. I didn't know the person in the workroom was far from God and was struggling. And God's saying like, no, I, I put you there for a reason and I see it. Are you with me? Yeah. Scripture said, be on this rescue mission. Hold back people who are falling into things. The reality is you, your heart was designed to be a part of the rescue story. Your heart, who you are, is actually drawn to the hero story. One of the ways that I know that I can prove it, that you're desired to be a part of this rescue mission, is because if you look at like the top 12 all-time grossing movies in our box office, like seven out of the top 12 are all hero stories. They're all redemption stories. Why are we flooding box offices to go watch the good overcame evil and there was a redemptive plan? Why? Because God created you to live that story. 
And we're just living it through the box office. But God is saying, no, 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 I created you to be a part of this rescue story. The reality is you can't wake up and go like, today's the day that I'm going to save a family from a burning building. I'm going to be the hero today. I'm going to have a hero story. I'm going to pull that somebody, put somebody from that car crash before the car explodes and I'm going to save them and I'll be their hero. You can't wake up and decide that because you don't know if you'll be in that environment. But you can wake up every day and say, today's the day that spiritually I'm going to be somebody's hero. I'm going to save them from the explosion and the destruction of the things of this world. And I'm going to witness and I'm going to share the good news of how God's changed me and his desires to change them. Are you with me today? Jesus, as I mentioned a minute ago, Jesus' plan has always been to save the world and to use you to be the witness of that. Look at the Great Commission. The Great Commission says what? Go, go get that person to go out into all the world. No, I said, you go into all the world. You go, us, the believers, you go into all the world and spread the good news and, and be a witness to what I've done in your life. Go. We also know the passage of the scripture talks about the city on a hill. Well, you're like a city on a hill and the scripture talks about how you're the light of the world. Because we have him in us, we're the light of the world. The scripture says, you're the light of the world. And then what does it tell you to do? It says, don't hide that. Yeah, right. No one hides the light. Why would you hide the light? So scripture saying, hey, go out and be the light. Don't hide the light. I see this trend happening in Christianity where we think it's the appropriate thing to do to hide our light. There's this dark territory over here. Maybe it's movies, government. There's all of these sectors of, of the world. There's all these different things, places. on, and, and we think we're doing something spiritual by boycotting. I'm going to boycott that, and I'm going to boycott that. We're not going to be a part of this, and we're not going to be a part of that. And actually, all we're doing is surrendering all those territories to more darkness instead of coming in and saying, hey, we got the light. And where there's light, it drives out darkness. I think we should take back Hollywood. I think we should take back Disney. Are you with me? I think we, come on, somebody. I think we step into these dark places and we take back and be the people God called us to be in the kingdom. Amen. All right, we'll keep preaching. They'll be back from spring break. I'll still be going. They didn't miss anything. Matthew chapter nine, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the good news and healing every sickness and disease. That's part of the kingdom message is I'm preaching the gospel, but I'm also reminding you I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God heals. Are you with me? But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest, they didn't have a harvest problem. They had a laborer problem. The issue is in our time, we don't have a harvest problem. We have a labor problem. And the end of this scripture says, if heaven, think about this, if heaven has a prayer request, it's that we pray for laborers to go be a part of the harvest. We're living in this hour where the harvest is plentiful, especially this week, Holy Week, as you consider inviting someone to come be at the Easter service. Do you know that the success rate of that, I believe, is in the upper 80%? If you just go to somebody, hey, will you come to church with me? The odds of that happening for you are at a high rate. Why? Because the, the harvest is plentiful. Remember that old birthday game that you go to a birthday party and they put that thing up and they'd fill all those balloons and they'd put them in a, roll, in a row and then they'd give you a dart and you'd have to throw and try to pop one of the balloons. You wanted to be one of the first kids to do that because you wanted the harvest to be full. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. 
This is what it's like for us as Christians right now, especially this week as we're inviting people into Easter. The problem is the church isn't throwing darts anymore. We're not sending any laborers out there. You got a harvest full of people who need to know God, and we're just sitting back here doing God knows what. We got to remember the the, the harvest is plentiful. I thought about like this: if heaven again had a prayer request, it would be that the laborers go. I thought about like this: it's impossible to read scripture and not realize that Jesus' heart was always for the lost soul. It's almost like every filter was run through: reach the lost, seek, save people. You might say to me, "Well, Pastor, that's your job. It's your job." and And Billy Graham's job to go reach people. It's the missionary's job to go reach people. Scripture says it this way in Ephesians 5, 16. I'll paraphrase. It says this. It says, for we are to redeem the times for the days are evil. We is all of us. We're living on rescue mission to go and reach people. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. But you will receive power. Power. You will receive an equipping when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do what? And you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's going to empower us not to have cute little Bible studies. And those things are fine. But he's empowering us to do, go do what? Go be witnesses. Yeah, to go spread the gospel. To go be the light. I love this by Charles Spurgeon. He says, let eloquence be flung to the dogs rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls and they are not won by flowery speeches. So the scripture says the Holy Spirit has empowered us to go be witnesses, not to just build things where we say cute flowery things, but instead where we come in and we declare truth in the good news of the gospel. Who is the overcomer? Are you with me? Every single time we do a salvation altar call, I read you this passage. It's where we read the salvation prayer, uh, but there's a key piece that comes after it. But let me read you the first part, Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we stop there. But the key piece comes right after this, verse 14. How then can one, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It's awesome that we have this salvation prayer. It's awesome that we can get down and lead people to this. But if we don't first share, if we don't witness, how can they hear? How can they know? How can they believe? I want you to think about this this week as you get up every single day and say, God, give me the eyes. To share the good news. Who can I share it with? Do you know that heaven is looking down on you as you're witnessing, as you're evangelizing, as you're sharing, as you're inviting people? God's looking down at your life and saying, how beautiful are those people? He said, how beautiful are the feet of those people, the walk of those people? How beautiful are those people? It's a pretty amazing thing to know. You can do a lot of things this week, but one of them to make heaven go, look how beautiful those people are. Let's be those people. Can I get an amen? amen. I'll close with this. My last couple thought. I thought about it like this. Imagine with me that you lived in a neighborhood, a subdivision, big, beautiful homes, big, beautiful sidewalks, and, and you're walking one day. Maybe you have your family or you don't, but you're walking along these sidewalks, and you come upon this house that just has this huge, extravagant bay window, and the family is right out in that bay window. You can see that family right in that window, and as you walk by, you see that they're doing life. They're all together right in that place. But as you're walking and seeing that they're in that window doing life, just going about their business, as you're walking up, you notice that the back side of that house is absolutely engulfed in flames. It's taken off. There is a raging fire on the back side of that house, but that family in the window has no idea the doom 
that is about to be upon them. Now, my hope would be that you would do everything that it took to race and to run toward that house and begin to bang on windows and knock on doors and try to get their attention and say, you've got to get out of this place. There's doom coming upon you. Are you, I hope we would say, you listen, I can see that you're in a place that's not going to end well for you, but the good news is you can come out this way and I can save you and you can be spared. I hope we're doing the same things when it comes to souls. I hope that we're not looking at the world and looking at our neighbors and going like, oh, if they keep going that way, they are going to get doom. I hope we're instead charging at them. Like the scripture said, we're, we're running toward them on rescue mission saying, hey, you can't keep doing it this way. Here's the good news and you can find freedom. Are you with me today? I hope it's not ever said about me by somebody later. Hey, why did you never tell me the good news? Why did you never tell me the truth? Martin Luther King Jr. says it this way. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. I hope in your workplace, someone doesn't eventually come to you and say, hey, I didn't, you had the good news and you never shared. How come you never, are you with me? First John 3.17 says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How can we say we have the love of God if we see what the world needs, the good news, salvation, the message of God? How, how can we say we have God's love in us if it's not our desire to share and to witness and evangelize what God is doing? Amen. Charles Spurgeon says this, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. If it's not boiling out of the inside of you to see people reached and transformed and changed, then I question what version of Christ you got. You share about what you care about. And if God's desire is to seek and save the lost, that ought to be what's coming out of us. Can I get an amen today? And I believe that God's going to do it next week. That's why we extend services and add a service. And that's why we prepare the way that we do. Because one of the most honoring things we can do on Resurrection Sunday is say, Hey, God, look, we brought you some people who need to walk in what you paid for salvation and freedom and change their eternity destination. Are you with me? Yeah. Can I give you a couple practical ways that you can do it? I don't mean to sort of dumb it down to really simple things, but I'm going to. One of the things that's just really easy is, again, in the 90% range of people that come to our church, hey, how'd you hear about us? What connected you? Very rarely do I ever say, well, the word on the street is that the preaching is just amazing over here. And we wanted to, it's not, it's not, thank you. <laughs> it's not usually that reputation. They say, oh, you know where we heard about it? We saw it on Facebook. Someone we know goes there and shares it and then this and that. And, and, and it made its way around on Facebook. And they said, oh, we wanted to check that out. So we have Facebook events for Easter coming up. Maybe you get home today or throughout this week, you just share on your Facebook page, one of our Facebook events. You never know how God is going to use that. Called to be fishers of men. Let's let God use Facebook to bring some people to encounter him. Amen. Amen. Another huge way. We say, how'd you hear about us? They said, well, we just did some reviews. We just jumped on Google and we just read through some reviews and we read some of the things people said about this church. And so we decided to try it. So I'm here to tell you, uh, if you love this church, if this church is important to you and has been meaningful to you, jump on Google and just go leave a review. I hope it's five star. If it's not five star, I'm going to lower you down my prayer list, but <laughs> hope it's five star. Not even the stars are what matter. Go on there and just share what God's done in your life through this church. And you never know how that testimony might be something that brings somebody into this place that they find freedom. Amen. Those are just practical. But don't do any of these things without prayer. We're, this is the week of prayer. God saying, God, here I am. Send me. Help me make a connection with somebody. 
God's going to open your eyes to see that burning house. And you're going to go knock on that door and you're going to say, you got to get out of here. God's got good news for you. Amen. So let's pray. Let's ask for souls. Let's ask for salvations uh, as we honor God in Holy Week. Uh, I believe that he wants to do it. Amen. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today and your message and your truth. God, we want to live out the Great Commission. We want to be people who go into all the world and preach and proclaim your goodness and your good news. And God, we specifically ask for next week to just be a place that um, is full of people coming to know you, that encounter your goodness and your grace. Lord, that find salvation in you. And God, I pray that you send us on mission to go connect with the hurting. Lord, let us not be put off by the hard ones, by the difficult people. But God, give us a heart of compassion to reach people that we might not normally connect with. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing all age ranges, children, teenager, all the way, Lord, elderly. We're going to come together in one and we're going to experience you and your good news. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.